Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. Our special guest today is Mia Smithson. Mia is the CEO and founder of the 30K program. The aim of the program is to empower women to get higher paying jobs they adore by teaching them how to effectively package skills and strategically negotiate with confidence. The results, women in her program increase their income by an average of $30,000 within 12 months. I like the sound of this, Mia. She has vast experience in the corporate sector, having been a global director of talent management, overseeing hiring and leadership for 400 plus employees and 450 plus contractors in seven countries, as well as having trained 100 plus hiring managers and interviewing 5,000 plus professionals for companies like Disney, Blue Cross, Blue Shield and Microsoft. Mia is passionate about helping people get their dream jobs and effectively negotiate without leaving money on the table. Coming to us all the way from San Francisco, welcome, Mia. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are delighted to have you. So, Mia, you're coming to share with us today the top five tips to negotiate without leaving money on the table. Share with us, please. Tip number one, what have you got? Yeah, so I would say tip number one is more of a concept, and that is that calm people make the most money. (laughs) What I mean by that is that when you're negotiating, um, typically really new negotiators, when it comes to a salary conversation, will go in there and they'll they'll be like, this is what I'm currently making. Um, And they'll be super anxious and they'll be, um, you know, like you can just tell that their energy is like frenetic. Like this will be the super confident person throughout the entire interview. They've been just doing spectacular. We start talking about money and they are like, you can just tell that they are so uncomfortable. But it's the people who typically do the best when negotiating are very calm. And when you look at the actual neuroscience of it, what happens in the brain is something called amygdala hijacking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're overtaken by emotion and um and it clouds your thinking because when you're negotiating, you want to be operating out of your prefrontal cortex. I dropped out of a clinical neuropsychopharmacology doctoral program. So I, I adore the brain. Um, but yeah, so I would say the first tip is you gotta really, really, really be calm, right? When you're negotiating so you maintain your level high. Uh, I mean, let me ask the question, and you're negotiating to, you know, for a job or whatever, what, you know, the, the most common question that people are asked is, you know, what income, what salary are you on now? And yeah. and a lot of recruiters would just use that as the guide for what to offer them. Well, how do you deal with that? Oh, baby. Okay. So first, <laughs> as mentioned earlier, I've done about 5,000 interviews. I'd say about 3,000 of them, the person has told me what they're currently making, which we call in recruiting terms, spilling the candy, which you do not want to do. And it's actually illegal for anyone in HR or a hiring manager to ask what they're making. So instead, what I recommend doing 
is something called reversing. Okay, so when you're reversing, this is what it looks like. Um, so let's just say I'm interviewing with you and you're like, um, Maria, what salary range are you targeting? I don't answer. Instead, what I say is, you know, I'm curious, before you answer that question, would you mind telling me the salary range for the role? Now, in at least the United States, in eight different states, you are mandated by law to tell the person. And what's fascinating is even in the states, at least in America, where it isn't mandated, oftentimes hiring managers will tell you, right? And I've done global recruiting. Like one of the companies I worked for, we could hire in like 83 different countries. So I know this isn't just like a U.S. thing. There are a lot of companies around the world that will actually tell you if they ask. Most people just don't ask. So I always recommend doing a reversal and asking the person. Now, here's the thing. I would say the, uh, I would rate that like maybe a C as far as negotiating goes. If you want to score for an A for me, and I don't even know if I'm, this would be a full A, but this would at least be getting closer to it, would be which would be considered the double reversal. Okay, we, <laughs> we, 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 we're looking at you, although our listeners can't see you. We're looking at you and going, "Okay, what's a double reversal?" Fill us <laughs> in. Okay, okay. So in a double reversal, this is where let's just say, right. I'm interviewing with you. You ask me and I, and I bounce it right back. And I say, you know, what's the salary range? And let's just say that you respond to me and you say, you know what? The hiring manager for the role is still trying to figure out the exact range. So I don't actually know the exact range at this time. You know, could you let me know that range that you're targeting? Okay. So you essentially reverse it back. And I'm like, you know, I am really interested in this position, right? The values of this company, the mission, I mean, it's just so aligned. At the same time, I do want to have all of that information prior to proceeding with any next steps of, you know, the interview process. After you do speak with that hiring manager, could you circle back with me on what that salary range just looked like, right? The double reversal. I tell you what, it's... The thing of it is, is like in negotiating, in order to be an effective negotiator, there is oftentimes a level of risk, right? The hiring manager could say no. They could say, you know, I don't know, right? And you you always do run a risk, but the risk is worth it. I have literally seen people get, and I know my sister personally got like a $50,000 increase in daily golf after testing this. Literally, which is absolutely crazy. Like I have seen people who have been ridiculously underpaid and because they didn't spill their candy, because they knew the reversal, they knew the double reversal, they were able to go in there and they were able to effectively utilize these tactics, right? And so I think it's just really, really important to have an understanding of you know, what you can and cannot do during negotiations. And there's a lot more that you can do than you may realize. So um, in your bio, we talked about you working a lot with women. Is this mainly your target audience for this sort of work or do you do this with men as well? Yeah, so I specialize in helping women. Reason being, I found out that I was personally underpaid by $30,000. 
And I was not happy. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, you read the stats about women earning like 17.7% less than men do. And so I specifically do help women. And just as an FYI, uh, while I personally do love helping women to increase their comp, we do run a program where comp is just one factor, right? Oftentimes you'll hear someone say, I don't need to make a lot of money. I just want to be happy or I just want to have a job that I enjoy. And you know what I say to that? I say, why choose? <laughs> you can have it all, right? You can have a job that has those amazing benefits that has, you know, and like what, what it is that you're targeting, right? And additionally, it can be, you can be well paid, right? So let me ask you a question. We, we've been focusing on pay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the work I do is around culture and corporate culture. And and I've been reading more and more and seeing more and more people who are choosing to take a lesser income to work at a company with a great culture. You know, we, you know and does that echo in the people you talk to? Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. So there are thousands upon thousands of companies out there. There are companies that pay highly competitive rates that have incredible cultures. And there are companies that don't pay a lot and have incredible cultures. And so if you decide that you want to work at a company where maybe they don't pay as much, but they have an incredible culture, that is awesome. There are so many ways, like personally, my barometer for a happy life is not happiness. I know that sounds very weird, but like, I want to have a life of meaning and a life of purpose. And I think that happiness is purely based on circumstances. And I don't ever define how, you know, my level of joy based circumstances, right? Um, I, I just don't, I, I think that like, you could have both. I think that you can work at a place that has an incredible culture. And I have tons of friends, tons of family that do. And at the same time, I think you can also get paid really well. I, I, once, I just once again think, why choose? But that's just my opinion. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's move on to your next tip. Where to from here? We've done the reversal. We've done the double reversal. What's next? Yeah. So the next, I would say, is in order to even get in the door of a negotiation, there's going to be a few things that you're going to need to do really, really well, right, when you're formatting your resume. And one of the things I always recommend is Google's XYZ resume bullet point formula. Okay, so secret sauce. It is accomplished by X as measured by Y doing Z, right? So increased, um, you know, the sales of this software company by 17 percent through or by designing new conversion focused ad imagery right so you, the whole the whole concept of it is that you're really able to distill down what you're doing and how you're doing it and you're able to quantify the value that you've brought in to the employers that you've worked for right i've seen oh my gosh, thousands upon thousands of resumes where literally the person, <laughs> I swear, they'll like take the job description of the job that they initially had gotten and they'll just like put it into a resume format. 
And I'm like, what is this? It'll just be like, took calls and like, you know, managed projects. I don't really care if you took calls and I do not care if you manage projects. I care about if you, you know, you did something of immense value to the person that you worked at. So that's one of like the key things because you're also, you're not going to be able to negotiate effectively if your resume looks like crap, right? Because they're going to be like, why would I want to pay you any money, right? Okay. Um, people changing jobs. I mean, you know, there's lots of work, lots of talk around, particularly millennials and Gen Zs, um, changing careers every three to five years. How does that affect people's ability to negotiate? Yeah, I know that I have read some studies on where you can definitely increase comp through changing jobs over two to four years. And there's been some really interesting research on that. I will say that of the hiring managers that I've worked with, um, finding someone who's not a quote unquote job hopper is really, really important. I did a mastermind with a whole bunch of hiring managers from like Meta and from Google. And one of the things that was talked about as kind of the golden standard from like a resume perspective of if, if the person has more than three jobs in five years, that is what, at least in this recruiter training I was in, was considered a job hopper. And so that was like the barometer that we utilized. Um, each hiring manager is a little bit different, right? I know hiring managers where like, if they've had two jobs in five years, they're like, that's job hopper. But I would say the majority of the time, what I've seen is that, you know, more than three jobs in five years and like people are going to be a little bit skeptical, I would say. Because it's um, the corporate ladder kind of concept is gone, hasn't it? It's more like the corporate lattice where people are jumping from side to side, moving slowly upwards. And and people are staying in jobs much shorter times now than, uh, you know, uh, the older generation, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so let's move on now. Uh, your next tip, where are we at? Yeah, so I'd say the next tip is to have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile. So there's a really interesting study. Um, and you can actually see this if you go to the 30kprogram.com, you can download. It's called Master the Seven Seconds, and it links all this stuff in it, and it's free. Um, so there was a study done of 125,484 resumes. <laughs> One of the things that they found. Um, was that having like a comprehensive LinkedIn profile, you have a 71% better chance of hearing back and not just having it, but you had to have it actually linked in your resume, right? And so I think a lot of like applicants don't think that hiring managers will check their social, but they will, right? They will check their Facebook, they will check their Instagram. And that's not like a company policy thing. We've, I've never seen any any company I've been a part of where they're like, you have to. But LinkedIn, they always check. That's like, no matter what, bread and butter, right? And so I always do recommend you actually link it, hyperlink it, and do not have a messy URL. If you have a hanging URL, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> um, but have that on your resume in a very clean formatting and have it really filled out looking exceptional. And I always recommend getting those recommendations. I mean, I would say bare minimal, start with five, 
right? And this does not have to be hard. You can ask your um, coworkers for, you know, LinkedIn recommendations, and you can easily even do just like a trade where you're like, hey, uh, I'm working to build up my LinkedIn, you know, um, could I write you a LinkedIn recommendation? And in return, could you write me one as well? And it's, it's really, really easy. And it adds a level of credibility to your resume because hiring managers, I, I do not know of a hiring manager that would not, that would skip looking at LinkedIn. That is the one social media that no matter what, they almost always look at, right? So that's just a not negotiable. Okay, so Mia, we've been around, you know, you, you've started the negotiation, you haven't spilt the candy, you reversed, you've double reversed, mm-hmm. you've got your resume right, you've done your LinkedIn. So how do we bring it home? How do we land the plan? Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so strategy is everything, right? And this is, you have to have an effective strategy throughout what you're looking for, right? But also when you're job searching. What I always recommend doing is to tee it up where you have um, each of the offers coming in at right around the same time. You say each of the offers. What do you mean by that? Okay. you have like In my opinion, if you're going to be job searching, you need to be doing it so that you're getting multiple offers all at the same time. So you can use that as leverage within the negotiation. It is really, really, really key. So um, I have a few friends of mine that are pilots and they talk a lot about stabilizing the airspeed when you're flying because you have this, have this certain speed in order to effectively land the plane. And if you don't have it, you have to like go back around and loop and it takes a little bit longer. And so you need to be stabilizing the airspeed of your interviews. So one interview, they are like, and we're moving on to the next phase this next week. You need to be like, oh, you know, I have a conflict then, but like I can do later on in the week, right? If one is moving super quickly and the other one that's super interesting is at the beginning, you need to be like slowing down the one that's like speedy Gonzalez and you need to be speeding up the little slow turtle action so that you end up getting the offer at around the same time. And at the same time, the like slowest molasses interview process, you need to be super frank with them and say like, hey, I am, you know, really interested in your mission. I'm really interested in your values. This role seems super aligned. At the same time, I am interviewing with, you know, another company and um, I really, I really want to be able to, um, you know, effectively weigh both of these options because I am really, really interested in working here, right? Can we speed up this interview process a bit? And you would be shocked at, at the levers that hiring managers and recruiters can pull in order to move things along. So it's just really, really important to not just be you know, oh, so I'm free on this day and they um, asked me to interview and this is so perfect. Like you need to be really strategic if you're going to be an effective negotiator. This is why our program, I mean, the majority of the, the women in our program get it between like the eight and nine month mark, but it's a 12 month program because we want to give enough room for such, um, to run a, such an effective strategy. Right. If we were just helping women to quickly get a new job, there would be no need. But because we're looking to help a woman to truly level up her her entire life and her entire, you know, like the rest of her life of earnings, that's why we do the due diligence. 
Mia, we have a tight time frame with this podcast and we are out of time, I'm afraid. Thanks so much for joining us today. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, definitely. So go to the 30kprogram.com on it. Um, I alluded to this a little earlier. You can download Master the Seven Seconds. It has resume samples from friends of mine that work at Airbnb, at Google, and at Microsoft. You can download that completely free of cost. And I also give a ton of tips on LinkedIn profiles, resumes, and it is yours to keep. So enjoy. Thank you very much, Mia Smithson from San Francisco, from, as you said, downtown San Francisco as well. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Top 5 podcast. To my co-host, Lindsay Adams uh, from Brisbane and myself from Perth, thank you and signing off for another edition of the Top 5 podcast.